Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello and welcome everybody. Let fires be lit on the high points of the land. Let bells ring out across the country. Let bunting adorn every town, village and hamlet. It is the return of the proper form of Danny Kelly's record book podcast caught from the mighty game day network, the mighty game day empire. And after summer in which myself and Tom Rennie have valiantly held the bridge open despite there being no football, we're returning to our normal format which means we'll be picking, along with two colleagues, the hero, villain, performance and worst performance of the week. And of course, that marks the return of the Premier League. So help me through the next 40 minutes. And by the way, thank you very much for downloading the podcast and sticking with us during the pandemic, those of you who did. Of course, Tom Rennie's efforts have been so sterling, so outstanding, so deserving a medal over the past three months. We had him invited back for this one. Uh, welcome, Tom. I like how you feel like you could have not allowed me in the room. I enjoy that, that you feel you've got this power. You've got the name over the door now, and so you think you can just pick and choose when I'm here. I oh, decide, Tom, right? That's Tom, how it works. Tommy, mate, you honestly believe this is the podcast actually going out, do you? That's sweet. <laughs> how very sweet None of the is. last ten weeks went out. It was just, for, just <laughs> Join- a Zoom call between us. Joining him in the studio, don't forget, I'm still socially isolated in Ireland. I'm not by choice, people just want to talk to me. Um, and I'm delighted to say the former Manchester United, England, Queen's Park Rangers, one or two others, uh, centre half, very much a friend of the Record Book podcast. Uh, Paul Parkins with us too. Hi, Paul. Hi there. Pleasure to be back again. Paul, have you have you grown a beard or anything during the lockdown? I thought he was going to ask me if I'd grown over the lockdown, to be honest. No, no, no. I mean, that, would, that would be scientifically excellent if you'd done that. <laughs> no, I, great, you, you, you haven't got any. We're going to get on to people with uh, unruly hair like my own after the lockdown. Um, you, you, and also you've been to uh, working on some of the games already, yes? Yes, I've done. I've been to two games already. I haven't grown any facial hair. I haven't even grown any hair on my head. So I'm looking oh. very similar to the last time I, you saw me. Well... And that, that, that does for me. I am flabbergasted. Maguire and De Gea. I wouldn't even let him on the bus after the match. I oh. get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> Doherty's come forward and Traore is back on the ball. Ten metres outside the West Ham United penalty area. He's got away from Fournell. has got away and scores! Jimenez with the header. Brilliant from Traore. Skipped away from two challenges. Wrong-footed both Fournals and Creswell. Hung it up. And Raul Jimenez headed into an empty net. Traor is on the ball again and again going past people and finding Doherty just outside the penalty area. And it's in first time of the volley and it's a brilliant goal by Neto. I think we start with the performance of the week. That gives us a wider canvas on which to paint our beautiful uh, uh, words onto. Well, Tom, again, because um, you are um, the leader of the pack, so to speak, why don't you tell us what your performance of the week is? Yeah, I think it's um, there's a lot of great performances this week, actually, to choose from. Mm. But as always on the record book, I don't like to pick a normal, like a team or a person. I like to go with a concept. No. Um, and my concept for performance of the week this week is the concept of the finisher. Uh, something that I wasn't really aware of in any sport until Eddie Jones brought it to England's rugby union side. And we stopped talking about replacements and substitutes and started talking about finishers, players who are specifically brought into a squad to play the last 20 minutes, 10 minutes, get teams over the line. Now, 
as we know, the rules have changed. You can make five substitutes now at three junctions and yeah. at half time. And we've seen this in Germany the last few weeks, but in Germany in the Bundesliga, they don't really have the depth of the squad. Like after you team, youth team plays actually in the team, never mind yeah. on the field. In England, of course, it's the big bloated millionaire squad. And what we saw this weekend was players specifically not starting, not because they're not good enough to start, not because they shouldn't be in the starting eleven, but because they can come on and change a game and get it won. And I'm specifically thinking about a few individuals. Um, Paul Pogba for Man United on Friday came on, mm-hmm. made a massive, massive difference. Um, and I think he would have probably started that game in another world. Um, yep. Neto for Wolverhampton Wanderers was one. Uh, Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, another. But the main one is Adama Traore, this incredible yeah. athlete, a man who's added to the power that he's got, skill and finesse this season. He's been our hero of the week, I think, about eight times uh, during this yeah. podcast run. But We've what, had to give him the trophy, yeah. But can you just imagine poor Aaron Cresswell Little fella's not been able to run for five years. He's just got through 70 minutes of hacking around the field, looking utterly useless. The only thing impressive about him is the side parting that he still rocks. He might be scouse, but he's gone full Essex with that haircut these days. And he sees a Dharma Traore coming on, and he's thinking, oh my Lord, what am I going to do now? And a Dharma Traore... You just knew he was going to come on and finish that game. You just knew he was going to come on and finish off West Ham. That's exactly what he did. And it isn't just about the fact that he was amazing. It's about the fact, I think, Danny and Paul, mm-hmm. that we are going to see over the next few weeks, teams going, well, hold on a minute. Why am I going to completely knacker out my best players for 70 minutes and they might get injured? Let's play for nil-nil until the 70th. And then I'll bring on Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, and let's get this game finished. And I think that's what Wolves will do, and that's what Traore will do, and that might well be his career. Come on for the last 10. Win us the game, mate. Do you think it's possible that Adama has got even more muscular in the lockdown? Well, he says he doesn't go to the gym, doesn't he? He says that's not what he does. Well, he doesn't just turn around and start blowing himself up like a beach ball, does he? That's what he says, though. No, no, he goes goes to the weights. He does do weights. There's no way you can keep that without going... How have you done it, Paul? Oh, you know... I have to go. Put to your the, shirt back on. I have to go to the gym, and the problem is the gyms are not open, so I've struggled. I've put on a put on a bit of timber. I don't believe that. I put on. You timber. still look felt. I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah. I love working and, with Tom, and, by and, the way. And equally, <laughs> equally, Tom, among these finishers, you know, people who came on and made a big difference. Um, I take it Andre Yarmolenko hasn't made the list. Um, no, he hasn't, and I don't think David Moyes quite understands the concept of the finisher as yet because. Almost every team made their five changes. They're all worried about the fact their players might not Absolutely. get through 90 minutes. Of course, Tottenham only made two because Mourinho is well, uh, stuck in uh, 20 years ago. Exactly. There are two managers that didn't. And they are David Moyes and Jose Mourinho, two of the top managers of 2004, who are still playing the same formation, the same style, the same everything as 2004. And they're the two teams that served up, I think, the most schlock of the teams this weekend, bar the Merseyside derby. And it's it's self-evident that they need to get with the programme, get with the programme fast. And by the way, talking about players... Go on, sorry. Well, I have to say, I think your view of how Spurs played, and I'm not happy at how defensive they were, may have been somewhat um, coloured by the fact that they had three, count them, Manchester United experts on the programme. My brother, who's a football journalist, watched that game on NBC in America, and it was thought to be a very close, very level game. What? Watch Roy Keane, Patrice Evra... And Gary Neville, you'd think Manchester United should have won 17-0. I honestly thought that United were better than Spurs, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at Spurs' lineup, and only on paper did it look attacking. Because, to be honest, you could put Maradona, Pele, Ronaldo <laughs> and Messi in front of Mourinho, and they'll all be tracking back. <laughs> Harry Kane played on, on, on the Spurs' side of the centre circle. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. But to know finishers is Tom had a very good case made for there um, for a performance of the week. Um, I want to choose Liverpool's players um, in, in what was a pretty mundane Merseyside dub. We'll discuss that later. But um, I was glad to see Paul and Tom and the listening millions. I was glad to see that some of the fundamentals of football have survived the new normal. Before the game, Charleston was interviewed um, by, I think, in his... Uh, by a Brazilian TV station. He was asked whether he was looking forward to the prospect of playing 
against Virgil van Dijk, the best centre-half in the world. He said, hold on a second, he's not even the best three centre-halves in the world. He mentioned Sergio Ramos. He mentioned the now 35-year-old Thiago Motta, um, Thiago Silva, rather, forgive me, the Paris Saint-Germain countryman, and some other Brazilian that even I hadn't heard of. And the result of this, that was for the first 20 minutes of the Merseyside derby, the Liverpool players queued up to take lumps out of Richarlison. I mean, obviously, Van Dijk himself had a go, but the king of this was James Milner. I mean, old enough to be properly old school. You're not going to be bad-mouthing us before the game, particularly our, our captain and talisman. And remember, if you remember, Charlton went through about three Everton tackles. He's a strong boy, isn't he? And he was stumbling through the tackles, and the fourth person he came across was James Milner. And James turned his ample backside towards the Brazilian, leaving his body into the now stumbling Everton centre forward and sent him crashing into the gravel at the side of the pitch. And I thought the Everton, sorry, the Liverpool players had taken the correct amount of umbrage mm. with, uh, with Richarlison. And in a game, you know, in the, it's very hard to get yourself worked up when there's no fans in the stadium. But Richarlison's shouting his mouth off before the game and given the Liverpool players the motivation they needed to give him the occasional tap, shall we say. I, I don't know whether that's what happened. I think Richarlison, we actually were doing the commentary this game, me and Paul, and we said on air that Richarlison, he's going down a lot here, but of course he is one of the game's divers. And we had Everton fans tweeting us from around the world saying, what is this, Liverpool Football Club commentary? You guys are so biased, they keep kicking him off the field. I mean, James Milner gave him a wallop, sure, but I'm not sure he got that rougher treatment, did he, Richarlison? No, there was, I don't think there was anything rough about the game at all, to be honest. It wasn't... That would have been exciting, wouldn't it? It would have been exciting. We would have been talking about it. <laughs> Danny wouldn't have got a word in because we would have been loving that fixture. <laughs> well, all right. I, I, I'm off to a poor start in the return of Danny Kelly. No, Danny Kelly's um, record book uh, podcast. Who's your performance of the week, Paul? I'm going to throw in a fellow who obviously didn't get his hair cut through lockdown was um, <laughs> Roy Keane. He looked, oh. like, he looked like he had a bit of a Hodgson going on the top of his head, by the way. But the thing about it, I didn't really see it live. I did see it live, but I didn't hear it because it was going on while I was actually at the game, Danny. I was working the game mm -hmm. and I had Gary Neville in front of me and Gary was turning round to me and Ben Foley was there working for MUTV and he was looking at us and he was just pointing to the screen and pulling faces and mimicking, saying that Roy was off on one. And he gave, <laughs> us, he gave us a few words and then we just embellished it a bit more and we wasn't far away with the embellishing because I think Roy was practically saying what we was embellishing about the goalkeeper. He was saying that uh, he, wouldn't allow him on, he would not allow him on a Manchester coach home and he might punch him. Yeah, that's good in hindsight, but doesn't work if you're a manager. Is this real, though, right? Because you'd be in a dressing room with Roy Keane when Man United have played badly. Yeah. Did he ever? I mean, he was young, wasn't he? He was young when you were there. He wasn't quite the, the leader of the pack that he was towards the end. Or maybe he was, you he tell was, me. He was but, still mad, but, but go on. Did he ever do what he said that he would have done? Because I believe it when he says it, but is that because he's a tremendous actor and convinced me? I don't know about the acting part, but would he have done that when he was playing? No, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have grabbed Ben Thornley by the scruff of the neck and thrown him out the window. No, he wouldn't have done, no. Gary Pallister, no. Um, no, no. No, he wouldn't have done. He's he... not the one who did that to Steve Bruce's nose, is he? No. That, that happened before Roy turned right, up, I okay. think, really. What, but... I, what I really enjoyed about it was the, the sort of salt, the, the, the salt and sugar, because Roy was at his most, um, how can you put it, rumptious and mischievous. But across the table, he had Patrice Evra. Who is, of course, the happiest man on the planet? You should follow him on Twitter. He really is a person who celebrates all of the good things he can find in life. And of course, you mean like chickens? Well, he <laughs> likes everything, doesn't he? But yeah. Patrice, Patrice has won five Premier League titles to Manchester United. So Roy can't do his usual thing and pretend that the person in the studio is an idiot, knows nothing, and has ever played the game. And and all through this, Patrice going, "No, no, Roy, you can't be doing that to the players." Um, and it somewhat bit struck me, I don't know what you two think, um, a bit short time in this section, um, maybe that's one of the reasons why Roy, with the exception of that brilliant season he had with Sunderland, is such a, how can we put it, average manager. Because if, if, if his first thought is, I'll leave them here, these millionaire players, without a, a coach to go home on, and possibly give one of them a slap, I'm not sure it's going to work anymore in the modern game, I'm just not. <laughs> 
Maybe that might have happened somewhere along the line when he was at Nottingham Forest with Brian Clough. I'm sure Brian Clough has left a few players behind and that, given them yes, a little slap on the back of the head. Absolutely. And you're talking about, in my opinion, the greatest manager this country's ever produced. But it was a lifetime ago. The world has changed. Roy, except for his hair, has not. So there's the, the shortlist to our performance of the week. Roy Keane, Liverpool's players kicking Richarlison, or the concept of finishers. Um, I don't think my Richardson thing was strong enough. Also, you both shot it down, <laughs> took it out, took it out into the car park, shot it like a sick dog. Um, so really, Tom and Paul, between, between what a the two of you, that was. That was a finishers image. and Roy or Roy Keane, who is your performance of the week? What do you like, Paul? I've got to go because there's a lot more to go with Roy. There's a lot more you could add on to it. I think Roy has got depth there, to be honest. I actually would like to also pick Roy Keane because I think mine is going to come to the fore more in the next few weeks. Whereas I think too many people these days got into football at university and want to talk about expected goals and want to talk about, well, they had 73% possession and five crosses, so they should have scored four goals this week. Whereas punditry, as much as I'm here for the deep analysis, should also be, he was crap and I want to nut him. And I love that from Roy Keane. And so Keane (laughs) gets it from me. Yes, I don't need to cast a a vote, but I can tell you if I did have the casting vote, uh, in order, just in case I met him any time in the near future, I too would have voted for Roy Keane. Brighton through Neil Mope have won it. They've come from behind to win as well. And Brighton and Hove Albion have all three points at the Amex. Full-time, brilliant game. It's finished Brighton 2, Arsenal 1. Hawkeye have have apologised and made a statement. Nothing's come out from the Premier League yet, so I should imagine some of them will. Um, The referee had a feeling that uh, it was a goal. Both sets of players, both sets of staff, I, I believe, had that feeling that something just wasn't right. Worst performance of the week. It wasn't really the Merseyside derby. Peter Reid says it wasn't the Merseyside derby. Yeah, what was his tweet? It was something like, it's never been. Never um, been the Merseyside derby. And the way the game was played, it was lacklustre. So it wasn't a derby game. Maybe the most ferocious derby in, in the UK. Yeah. And it just wasn't there, to be honest. Nothing there at all. And I suppose the bonus that come out of it is that Everton got a point out of it. Mm. Liverpool... Have to delay their um delay their celebrations because of it, but that's all I really can say about it, it was drab. Yeah, it was do you, seriously do you, do you drab. Think, I mean, we, we we all know we're making great concessions, flags around the ground, oh. um, cardboard crowds, um, and crowd noise played into the ground. All the rest. Of it. Do you think the truth is that this was a game that really, really did need forty thousand screaming Everton fans in the ground? It, it did. It needed. It definitely needed the crowd. The crowd. I mean, I've been to a games when they've had fans on the on the big screens as well. They had it at West Ham. They had it <clears throat> at the Tot, um, Tot, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So um, it needed something. Obviously, they can't do it Everton because the mm. crowd is too old, isn't it? Really, to do anything. But it it was lacking. Really lacking anything. And and to be honest, I, I just think the game was just made by myself and Tom. We made the game. Yeah. Just on-air oh. banters were got us through. That's the key thing. It is, yeah. It's, and it's nothing to do with our egos, by the way. No, and also people tweeting us saying we were being biased against both teams because we were so heavily critical to everyone involved as well. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I, 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 was, I was working on live on Talk 4 at the time, so I was watching the game with no sound and all the rest of it. And to me, um, it seemed reasonably competitive, but if you told me that was a pre-season friendly between yeah. the two of them, I'd have had no problem in, in, in recognising that and agreeing with you. I think it was quite evident from that game that that's the first one I've really watched where neither team had anything to play for. Like Across the whole weekend, even going back to midweek, every team had something on the line, something they were aiming for. Liverpool are going to be champions. Like I think we said in commentary that Jurgen Klopp had said that um, it's very difficult to ride a bike again having not done it for such a long time. That Liverpool could win the league at this point on a unicycle with a flat tyre, right? They can ride that to victory, whatever they do. So that's going to happen. I mean, happen. it's literally true. They could lose every game and still, and still be champions. win the title by, by considerable distance. Like nigh on record champions as well if they lost the next eight games. And Everton, for all they might say, we want to win the derby. You only want to win the derby if Sheila from Merseyside is there. If she ain't there... I'm not sure you're going to give you 110% because she's not going to shout at you like she usually could from her usual seat in D19. So I think it was the first game. And Now, listen, my next one, I take no pleasure from this, if you you like, but um, I'm actually a great fan of Arsenal fan TV. I really am. Whatever about the results, the characters on there, um, you know, Robbie himself and Ty and Troops, they make me laugh out loud. 
um, with their with their over emotion about the game. Uh, and of course, one looks forward, particularly let's be honest, if Arsenal have lost to the scenes outside the ground, where not only are they all shouting at each other about how useless Arsenal are and how um, Wenger, Stroke, uh, whoever else is in this hossy has to go, but of course they're surrounded by a load of other Arsenal fans, each either nodding or snarling in disagreement. And today I've watched for the first time how they dealt with the game at Brighton. Um, the six most famous people who do their thing on Arsenal Fan TV were isolated from each other while watching the game on a screen. So what you got was a face-on shot for six of them sat in you know comfortable chairs um, watching the game and occasionally getting up to comment. If it had been a piece of avant-garde theatre put on off-Broadway and written by a big fan of Samuel Beckett, it could not have been more ludicrous. Um, you can't have football fan intensity while everybody is sitting six feet apart from each other. And the only way they could do it was occasionally get up and explain their disbelief or something was happening. And to reach an absolute climax, when they'd been discussing and more to come to about him, Neil Mopay under their breaths for about 20 minutes, and up popped Neil to score the winner in the 95th minute. Um, of course, and how Arsenal away from home over the years has that been? Um, and their various bodily contortions. One person got up laughing with troops. Um, Ty did this weird puppet dance of anguish. And the other one, um, whose name escapes me at the moment, just couldn't believe it. He kept saying, is that right? They've scored. He was watching on a screen. <laughs> I, think, I think he was waiting for VAR to kick in, to, 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 for the nightmare to stop. Um, it really was sensationally weird and sensationally good fun television. The um, off-Broadway production of Arsenal Fan TV is definitely my worst performance. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay to, you know, scalpers prices, Hamilton prices see that i've got to be honest i mean I, I wouldn't watch fan tv i mean i think it's been the death of of quality broadcasting this nonsense fan tv stuff and, and arsenal fan hang on TV, have you heard what we what me and you have done over the past three months compared to arsenal fan tv mm -hmm. this is literally the works of shakespeare if that uh, was a technology um which as you say looked a bit low tech because uh, you know the of being the mother of invention in the pandemic but your worst performance of the week I would say predictably, Tom, but I'm mm. expecting to hear you off your long run here, um, is the technology that we told we were told was foolproof. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a bit old, this. It was Wednesday, but I've got to say that Hawkeye and the Hawkeye balls up of Villa Park will go down for yeah. me as one of the yeah. great errors in the history of introducing technology into football. I'm already, as you know, across the season, turning against VAR with every passing week. Oh, I've, I've, had, to, I've had to literally go... As I turned through 300, 180 degrees, I thought it'd be great. Yeah. It's rotten, and I was wrong. I mean, you've gone fully. You've gone fully from yeah. one to the other. I still yeah. have hope. And to be fair, on Friday night, when United got that late penalty and VAR overturned it because John Moss wants to give United a penalty and he gets that wrong, it did its job. So I'm not totally gone yet. <clears throat> but this drove me mad. But you know what? It didn't drive me mad because of Hawkeye. Hawkeye, who are the goal line technology company, said they've had 9,000 different uh, matches where Hawkeye's goal line technology has been in operation and they have never had the ball, quote, occluded to the degree it was occluded. at Villa Park. What a word. I was doing this game on air and had never heard that word before and asked the audience to get in touch and tell me when the word occluded had been used. And the only time anyone Dentistry. heard of it... Well, they actually told me about heart operations where apparently the arteries can be occluded by cholesterol and that's and why you have to have the operation. In the days when the dentist used to go look at your teeth and then read his oh, sorry, speak his feelings for the dental assistant to write down, before the computers came in, he would say, upper oh, left molar, occluded, oh. meaning, meaning it was slightly dull compared to what it should be. Uh, but it was an extraordinary word to choose. And of course, you get the impression like so many politicians, that by using a word that's outside the general run of the English language, they hope to fool us. But nobody was fooled. And my guess is, uh, Tom and Paul, that actually they hadn't turned the, the system on. <laughs> 
It's got to be that. I'm serious. It? it has to be. I'm serious. That's what I think happened. They didn't turn the blinking thing on. There are rumours, there are rumours that whilst Michael Oliver was taking his half-time bathroom break, his watch went off to say there was a goal. I don't know if that's true, but I had heard it on the grapevine. There was no one near enough to Michael Oliver at that time to verify it. But you know what? Hawkeye itself is not my villain. My worst performance is mm. Paul Tierney. Why is Paul Tierney my worst performance? He was the VAR, right? Now, Paul Tierney's the kind of guy that if we asked him to drive to News UK to come on this programme and he was coming from south of the river using his sat-nav and Tower Bridge was up to let boats go through, he would continue driving over the bridge while it was up straight into the water because the technology told him so. He's the kind of guy... That like will look at, yes, he's the kind of guy that looks at something on television. He saw that ball was in the net. He saw it. We all yeah. saw it. And he was like, but the technology hasn't told Michael Oliver it's a goal. So I won't just tell my mate that we've just wet ourselves on national TV to change their underpants or wrap him in a towel. It'll just allow it to play on. What was happening in his mind in that minute where he watched that ball go in over and over again on replays and well, didn't think to himself... Hello, Mike. Yeah, Paul here. Yeah, Stockley Park, West London HQ. Remember us? Ball's gone yep. in, pal. Probably stopped the game. Yeah, it's not. It's. It, 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 it's. It, I want to use an old-fashioned word here. It was poxy, wasn't it? Yeah. The protocol. They come up with. They come up with these protocol. Poxy protocol. Does that come with? You've six? got VAR. <laughs> you've got the bleeping watch. You've got all that stuff. All that's required of you is you combine your own. Magnificent fitness. I see you warming up with the cones like the players before the match. All the people, the referee, the bloke in Stockley Park, all you've got to do is get the decision right. And in this case, sometimes they're subjective. In this case, it was blinking obvious what the right decision was. And I'll tell you what, that two points could cost Sheffield United their place in Europe next season. Or, and I'm looking at you here, Tom, mm. keep Aston Villa up. Yeah, luckily enough, Aston Villa won't win another game, so we'll be all right on that score. Uh, if it happened well, at Bournemouth, West Ham be, last game of the season. If it happened at Bournemouth, I'd be furious. Uh, but luckily, Villa aren't going to get the points. But it's just a joke, mate. It's just pure. These guys, and we've always said this about referees. It's the kind of personality that becomes a referee, and they've got to change the kind of personality that becomes a referee. If that's me as the VAR, you give me a whole bunch of protocols and what you're meant to do. But if I see the ball go in the damn net and it's not been given, and I'm watching it on TV, and I can affect change, of course I'm going to say something. And I actually feel nothing but sympathy for Michael Oliver as well, because he thinks it works. He can't tell it's gone in. His lino's not told him it's gone in. Uh, the goalkeeper, Oivin Nealon, cheeky beggar, didn't tell anyone it had gone in. Um, someone had to tell him, and he didn't. And Paul Tierney, you know, when you're that incompetent, I'm afraid to... I know we're not in that era now, but when you're that incompetent, there should be a resignation. He should say, don't put yes. me on VAR again because I am not competent. I'll start the judging here for worst performance. The Merseyside Derby, Arsenal Fan TV as Avant-Garde Theatre, um, or the combination of Hawkeye, VAR, Paul Tierney and all this. Um, I don't think this... Uh, I mean, if I stand... To be correct by both of you, I don't think there's any doubt about this, that the whole business, albeit it was on Wednesday, of the, the Hawkeye cock-up is the worst performance of the week. And if you can tell me otherwise, Paul, I will give you a special prize. Now hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. 
With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Especially when he missed one here. We're hoping that he does well because he's genuine, he's hardworking. And when somebody's like that, he's a delight to work with. So we hope that he can adapt to England. He's only young. He's came here with a big, huge price tag on his head. And of course, the famous number nine shirt, which is not easy. To be honest, I don't know that if the game had been played in March, we'd have seen an awful lot difference in terms of the fitness and the, the commitment of the players. Let's turn then, if we may, uh, to our hero of the week. Um, I haven't gone first yet, so I think I will. Um, and it's a weird one, this, because, uh, you know, I work in commercial radio um, and this is one of our great rivals, Terrestrial TV. But Terrestrial TV may well be the hero of the week, or certainly the recipient of the most fantastic bonus of the week, because, and one wonders what the people who run the television stations, particularly Sky, who are, with all due respect to them, struggling to keep the numbers of people watching it they want to at £80 a pop per month. Um, but the numbers, and the Premier League needs to take notice of this, the numbers watching football once it was back on, on free-to-air terrestrial TV was extraordinary. Now, let's not kid ourselves. They were not watching Barcelona against Atletico Madrid. <laughs> they were not watching Brazil versus Holland. The game we're talking about was the game between Bournemouth and Crystal Palace. Now, you, and of course, there was an appetite for football because it's been away for three months. In the normal run of events, Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace, with all due respect to those clubs and their supporters uh, and their officials and their players, you would struggle, by and large, except for the Bournemouth ground is so tiny, you would struggle to give away tickets and for that um, and raffles in pubs around the ground. How many people watched it on the BBC? Four and a half million of your fellow citizens. And for those of you listening, of course, all parts of the world, four and a half million people tuned in, nearly four million on the actual game, and then another half million on the iPlayer. An incredible amount of people. And when you see the diffusion of television and how difficult it is to get an audience to watch something live and in the moment, unless you've got genuine discussion the next morning based on it, like Bake Off or something like that, this was a real eye-opener, I think, for the, yeah. for the TV companies. Um, because we've been led to believe um, that, you know, the only way the only way is subscription TV. Apparently not. Well, that's the great swindle, isn't it, about the revolution of the Premier League is that they have repackaged and made you pay for something you used to get for free. Like, that's that's what the Premier League is. It used to be the people's game, and now it's the people who can pay's game. But if they want to keep the Premier... I mean, they're doing all these gimmicks right now to keep people interested in the Premier League. If you want to get people watching it, give them a way to watch it. Like, they yeah. keep thinking all these complicated, convoluted, ridiculous ways of, you know, let's get a fake crowd in. Or wouldn't it be great if someone chanted, I'm forever blowing bubbles in the background? That'll make it look like West Ham aren't losing 2-0. Mm. No, just put it on a channel that I've got. <laughs> you do that, and you're going to get people watching, Paul, aren't you? You are. <clears throat> to be honest, Premier League was on today. I was just flicking through, and I've got this new thing now, Now TV. Oh, here we go. So, like, Very modern. I'm getting the Premier League for that. You just pay monthly. You've got electricity in your house, haven't you? We've just about... Oh, it'll be, honest, it'll be on TikTok next, won't it? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've taken the kids off the, um, the treadmill, so the electric has actually slowed down a little bit. But um, Very modern. But I've turned, I'm flicking through the TV, and all of a sudden I saw Premier League live. Hmm. Pick TV. Oh yeah, yeah. Pick, what is Pick TV? It's a yeah. it's a it's a free view channel. It's a channel yeah. you get for free with your uh, with your aerial in England. Yeah. So that was an that was and on what the game TV. was it the um the Newcastle game was it? I'm um, trying. To, yeah, it was the Newcastle was, yeah. game that was on Pick TV, and I can't. You can get hold of it. Eh? It's almost like the the top league in the country belongs to the people again. Briefly. I'm really interested in your hero, Tom, and I have, I have pre-knowledge of it. I want to thank you, as they say at Prime Minister's Question Time, uh, for pre-sight of your hero of the week, and I think it's, it's a belter. Yeah, my uh, hero of this week is lockdown haircuts and lockdown image changes, inspired mainly by the Merseyside derby, but then we opened it up to all the other times it's happened. But I was so, so happy to see Mike Dean with a beard. 
Oh, my God. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, let's be fair. He's a man who has traditionally shied right away from the limelight. So to see him in a new kind of look was very, very unusual, I thought. I thought it was, I mean, he always looks a little bit like a kind of angry alien. Like he looks a little bit like, who's the alien that was in the film with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? And the name, it was uh, Seth Rogen voiced him. That proper little green alien style alien. Yeah, He yeah. always looks a little bit otherworldly, I think, Mike Dean. And I'm a man, as you know, without the hair. And unlike Paul Parker, I can grow a beard. And I do so because it gives me a jawline. Uh, Paul's athleticism <laughs> gives him a jawline, of course. Um, and I just think it I've gave... had to, have to tattoo mine on. <laughs> yeah, you look a bit like Craig David circa 2000. Uh, it's Craig fantastic. David. Um, but uh, I just think it's really, really cool. that my... It was almost like seeing your uncle turn up at Christmas with a new wife. Do you know what I mean? It was familiar, <laughs> but it was different. And I really appreciated that. And, I mean, and Mike Dees never looked so good. What about Roy Hodgson's hair? Roy Hodgson always looks a little bit like the new wife that your uncle turned up with at Christmas. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's got that lovely nan hair going on. And he's obviously not... I think it's really interesting to find out which players allow the wife to cut the hair and which players will not allow. So Eric Lamella, he allowed his wife or girlfriend or whomever to cut his hair. He's dyed it blonde. He's had a fade put in. Like He looks sharp. Andy Carroll has allowed the wife to oh. shave a funny little beard into his head. Whereas Serge, Serge Aurier, we know, has been to the barber about six times in contravention of the lockdown rules. Serge Aurier does what he wants. Roy Hodgson, on yeah. the other hand, looked like Doctor Who, Peter Capaldi and Alexander Mitrovic. I mean, what to say about Alexander Mitrovic? <laughs> I mean, he did not look like a professional. He didn't look like he looked like the kind of guy that's probably about to nut you in a pub. Should you ever get back in a pub for looking the to, wrong way at his bird? To be fair, he's a pretty sturdy citizen without three months off the game, isn't he? That is true. Um, that is true. Oh, who's your hero of the week? I'm looking at um, a big centre forward who's had a bit of a bad time because he's got a bad number on the back of his shirt. He's in the wrong part of the country to be wearing that number on the back of his shirt because generally it means you ain't going to enjoy your time in that part of the country. Go on. And that's Joe Linton. And he's living in Newcastle and he's got number nine on his back. And yes, and that, that's, a, that's a weighty old shirt, isn't that it? Is a, that's one, it's incredible. And You know the song they sing about <laughs> Jolinton, don't you? No, but you're going to tell me, Tom. They do Jolin, 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 Jolinton. Please don't shoot just because you can. That's very true, funny. they do do that. Very good. Good shot. Very good. I like it. Well, the problem Not is great that, for his confidence. But the problem is, though, is that when his Brazilian is a forward and Newcastle fans still live off Mirandina. And that's the problem. So he's, he's gone there and he, he just hasn't happened for him. And he's played, he went 27 games without scoring a goal. He missed a ridiculous one in the first half where he scuffed oh. it. I think it's kind of hit his heel, hit his toe and went out for a goal kick. So funny. It was awful. It was that bad that my wife laughed as well when I showed her. <laughs> and she's normally a nice person. She's a wife. nice person, but she's not at the moment because she's a West Ham fan. <laughs> Um, oh, dear. But then he scored in the second half. So she suffered. She's a West Ham fan and married to Paul Parker. Yep, that poor, yeah. poor woman. And then he actually scored. And while he's actually scoring the goal, they'd already decided to take him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, did, I mean, it worked out all right, but it didn't work out all right, if you get what I mean. <laughs> I mean, nobody likes it. I mean, it's all right. But in the end, when players go through these runs, and I think about Christian Benteke here, first of all, I really, really enjoyed the fact that here was a professional footballer who just could not put one foot in front of the other. And for about three months, four months, five months, you enjoy it. When it gets into six months, seven months, the whole season, I do actually think it becomes a bit cruel and unusual. So I was pleased for Joe Linton. He did something um, good in the game. Um, and just, just, for, just for a human being, I mean, I, maybe I'm a bit soft. But also, though, of course, it's a reflection of Newcastle, perhaps getting ready for the new owners, uh, they look probably as good as I've seen them this season. Possible heroes of the week, Joe Linton, um, emerging from the darkness of his uh, last six months at Newcastle to score a goal. Air, beard and image changes of players, referees and managers. Or terrestrial television with a massive audience for a game as unglamorous, if I might use the word, as Bournemouth against uh, Crystal Palace. Oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to vote for? I'm going to go with terrestrial telly. Oh, mm-hmm. here we go. Mm. I'm surprised. Tom, do you, uh, no, I can't no, believe no. that you sat through a game where Mike Dean had that resplendent beard and 
we referenced it so much for two and a half hours because there was nothing else to talk about and you haven't voted for it. Let me just say this bit, Danny. I don't want to give Mike Dean any more attention. <laughs> Perfectly fair. Yeah. Perfectly fair good comment. I'm going to vote for terrestrial television, if I may, as well, because, not because I'm, I went for it here, but because it was just, yes, another reminder of the relationship between football, the clubs and fans. I think we're going to miss fans more than we think over the next eight games. And the very fact that they're still so hungry for football, um, as proven by those figures, uh, I think we're going to see, uh, uh, when I said that we, you know, the new normal, there will be a reappraisal, despite themselves, of the relationship between football and the paying customer. Yeah, I don't think I was particularly surprised by his decision. I think it's been clear to us as a club for some time that Ryan wasn't going to sign a new contract with us. Early ball up to the edge of the area. Conley flicks it on. Mopey's in! Mopey wins it for Brighton! What a brilliantly worked goal from the Seagulls! McAllister and Connolly and then Mopey combined superbly inside the box. Arsenal are beaten. Brighton are going to do the double over the Gunners for the first time in their history. My favourite offer of the week is Villain of the Week. And Paul, why don't you start? I'm going to go with Ryan Fraser at Bournemouth. Yeah. And ah. Other players have gone and been mentioned, but it's one thing I don't get. The one thing... I, I love football, and the one thing I love about football is a team game. It's not golf, it's not tennis. It's a team game. So the one thing you do is that you, you, you're, you're playing the game, people. The one thing, you, you don't let your teammates down in any industry. It doesn't matter whatever you're doing, you don't let them down. You stick with them through thick and thin. And because his contract's ending on June the 30th, Bournemouth are in a struggle. They're, at the moment, they're sitting in a ditch, and people are feeling, throwing dirt in there at the moment, and they're struggling to get out. And they really need their best players to stand with them. And he's decided that he's not going to renew, renew his contract and he's not going to fight with them. I just wonder how a player can go to another club and have the fans and those new teammates trust him. Mm. Given how he plays the game anyway, given how his form was, then he suddenly finds out that a few clubs are allegedly interested in him and he kind of <laughs> suddenly thought he may be better than what he is and he game went to pot. He, he was never the same player after he got mentioned with going to Arsenal mm. and now he's deciding that he now doesn't want to play for Bournemouth. He's going to leave him in a lurch. How does he feel that anyone's going to trust him when he makes that next move? And I find that well, an I, absolute I hear disgrace. What you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's an incredibly idealistic view and I share it, of course, um, because you know um, that football clubs, they don't give a monkey usually about the players' behaviour. They always, and all managers think they can turn people around. You're right to say that Ryan has not had as good a season as he had the previous year when he was, uh, I use a cliche, on fire. Um, and it, of course, I hear, because the club I support is one of those who are um, you know, dancing attendance around him, hoping getting a free transfer. Ryan Fraser thinks he's worth £100,000 a week in wages. Well, yes, I suppose sounds... you don't get that contract if you cost the transfer fee. But you take well, away the transfer that. fee and they say, oh, put some of that towards my wages. That's maybe why he's and, done it. And there and there, you have the very kernel of football inflation because mm. the next day is going to say, ah, Ryan Fraser, not a bad player. My player's better than him. He's already on 100 grand a week. That's what I need, 120. And so it goes. And so it goes. Mm. Um, well, I mean, the, the issue with it, though, is that you, Lyle Taylor yeah. at Charlton, right? He wasn't going to do it. And then I saw him do an interview on the TV where he was saying... Um, you know, I'm 30 now. I don't want to get injured now before what's probably going to be my last big contract in football. I want to do better than Charlton. Maybe he found out he wasn't going to get the interest. I don't know. But I, I think we're in a situation now where contracts are going to need to be rewritten. The way football is run is going to need to be rewritten with coronavirus or pandemic clauses. And that clause is going to need to be, in the event of a national pandemic when the games aren't played, you need to fulfil that season. These are going to need to start getting put written, uh, written into the contracts because so many players can just walk away. I mean, Jeremy Ngaki has run at West Ham. He played the yeah. weekend. He might not be there in eight days' time. Uh, so that's uh, that's Paul's going for Ryan Fraser. Who are you going for for Villain of the Week, uh, Tom? It's a bit of a personal pet peeve, um, but for me, it's fake crowds and the sheer pushing of the fake crowd on people who are already football fans. And if you put the football on, I am going to watch it. I'm not going to turn the football off because there's no crowd there. And this annoyed me a lot 
as you know, I've been working on the Bundesliga and yeah. Fox in the US have given people the fake crowd uh, whatever they wanted it or not. And it, the whole, like, you're watching a game, like, there was a mistake they made during the Man City game against Arsenal where they accidentally pressed generic Manchester effects. And during the game between City and Arsenal, you could hear in the background, United, 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 <laughs> because they put the wrong Manchester in. And what did it aid to the game? Nothing. Uh, and on Sunday morning, I was watching the championship game, Cardiff against Leeds. And because of the way I watch it, I don't have like a red button or something, so I can only watch one channel. So I didn't sure. have the option of watching it with crowd or without crowd. I had to watch it with a crowd. And... You know, there was moments in this game where there was like a strong challenge and a few seconds later there was a weird, too intense ooh for the challenge there was. And one of the, one of the, one of the goals went in, the crowd cheered about three seconds too late. But of course, I'm watching this with my eyes and I'm finding it disconcerting that I'm looking at empty stands and cardboard cutouts whilst also hearing crowds being, you know, incredibly <coughs> supportive when crowds, as we know, are horrible, horrible things. No one got called a swear word for the whole 90 minutes. Which way have you been watching it, Paul? I've been going with... On the... your new TV service. Yes, yeah. which you can work now, if the been... wife allows you. Yeah, I've been working it that in the front room, I've got the sound. That means right. I'm kind of drifting away from it. In the kitchen, I've got it raw. I've just got it real. <laughs> I'm there. I'm, I can hear You're everything. keeping go... it real in the kitchen. I'm keeping it yeah. real in the kitchen, yeah. Uh -huh. So I go in there, and, I... <laughs> and if there is going to be swearing, it's going to come from... You can hear it from the managers and the players, and I'm getting... That's the way I'm doing it. Tom wants to say something at yeah, me. Got to, this I'll is hard work. He wants to say it's something. All, Go on, all Tom. the gimmicks have annoyed me, right? They've all annoyed me. It's not just the fake crowd, which I hate. And I don't. I think people who are making the decision for the fake crowd are not football people. And I, and I don't really understand why they get to make these decisions. But also, it's not just that. And maybe they are trying to cover up the swearing. There was definitely someone next to Mourinho on Friday that kept saying the F word a lot by his effects mics. Yeah. But it's also like the stupid video Zoom crowds they keep putting up on the TV. And the ones they put... Put behind the, the goals that the Etta had, which they couldn't feel because City seemingly didn't have enough fans, and the stupid fan zones they're doing, like during games. You know, they don't. We don't need the gimmicks. Up to a point, I think Tom that I'll become very bored of watching the training sessions uh, and any gimmicks they can introduce, at least as a distraction uh, from all of that. But I take I take your point. Um, if you you're making the point that it's not real football, but that's the truth of it, watching the teams in an empty stadium. Let me just uh, say that uh, my villain of the week, um, well, people want to say Neil Mope because he, you know, he went in on on uh, Bert Leno, the Arsenal goalkeeper. I like the way Bert was still remonstrating um, with him um, as it, uh, whilst we taken off on the stretcher. I thought that was very good. Um David Priest, who often helps out on this program and is a great goalkeeping expert, felt that the Arsenal keeper ought to have come out with his knee up to, to protect himself. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm happy to defend Neil Mopé. I don't think he meant to hurt him. But that Matteo Guendouzi, who seems to have been at the back of some of this, his game for Arsenal was just ridiculous. Mm. Now, afterwards, Mopé said that he thought Arsenal got what they deserved and he mentioned one of the Arsenal players was giving him jip throughout the game in their native French, the pair of them. It was Matteo Guendouzi. For some reason, he was telling that Arsenal were too good for Brighton Hove Albion and would be winning this game any which way. And when, of course, Nicolas Pepe put in that belter of a goal when at his 94th attempt at cutting in onto the <laughs> other foot, one of them does go in for him. Um, apparently, Guendouzi was saying to Mopé, see... You see your little playing for this small town club, etc. in French. So the goalkeeper gets injured, but that wasn't the issue. You know, the idea um, fostered first on Arsenal Fan TV and their avant-garde theatre production, and later by Guendouzi, that he should have had a red card. Of course, central people like, like Mikel Arteta just said, no, that's, that's nothing to do with it. Um, but of course, it then, and you know, the gods of football, the, the game may have changed, but the gods of football have not changed. Of course, if you're going to get a 95th-minute winner, it has to be Neil Mopé. Then Guendouzi, who has got a good engine, but I'm not sure he's got much sense in his play, um, then comes off the pitch and has another pop. It's already belted. Well, it's belted, let's be honest. It wasn't Roy Keane. There was a jab in the ribs. He does it again as they're coming off the pitch. Well, I think automatically setting himself up for a suspension. I think he's been an idiot over all of this. And he's my... Uh, villain of the week. Paul, oh, you're, you're an ex-pro. What, what would you make of Greg Doozy's carry-on? 
arrogance really on his part. I think he should concern himself, one, about his game and two, about his hair because he looks like a French version of Blooming Shirley Temple. <laughs> He's look absolutely, just get your hair sorted out. He's another one who's, uh, whose hair hasn't got worse during the lockdown. He's another one along with Tom Davis. It just looks the same. That's very good. <laughs> if you were the Brighton manager, you would want your, your centre forward to go for that ball. Equally, if you're the Arsenal coach, you'd want your goalkeeper, who's probably too stone heavy in him, to send him flying into the middle of the next match. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that's well played to Arteta, isn't it? With the way he dealt with it. I thought he was terrific, and uh, he was obviously furious after the game, and for have the wherewithal, the level-headedness to say, and by the way, uh, my players were making a big old fuss about nothing there. Um, I thought I thought it was great, and he'll never get on Arsenal TV, uh, Arsenal <laughs> fan TV, behaving like that. No way is he going to get even a, a guest spot. So those are your villains of the week. A great choice, um, Matthew Guendouzi uh, for losing his rag against uh, Brighton. Ryan Fraser for not even having a rag on the pitch, deciding to stay on the <laughs> sidelines. And the fake crowd noises that are driving Tom mad. Tom, I'll give you the choice of those three. Um... I actually think that Ryan Fraser is the biggest scoundrel of this lot because not finishing this season with Bournemouth because Ryan Fraser thinks Ryan Fraser is better than Ryan Fraser actually is. It actually does disgust me, as it does Paul, and I think Ryan Fraser and his ilk, rightly, are our villain of the week. Paul? I'm not going to say his name because Tom said it so many times in that paragraph there, so I'm just going to say that Bournemouth player. Listen, it's been an absolute joy, the pair of you. Thank you for bringing us back to the proper world of the fully blown, fully puffed up, fully self-important Ryan Fraser version of Danny Kelly's Wrecking Book podcast uh, from the Game Day Empire. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much as well, Danny. But most of all, gratitude to all of you who are for all these weeks and months are still downloading this nonsense. We're very glad to bring it to you. We're even gladder that you're on the far end of the, well, the beautiful words that have been spoken here, as Donald Trump would say. See you all next week. God bless you all. Goodbye. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org T's and C's apply yeah, Hold that please level 5 thank you Ah you must be one of our new interns Yeah hi nice to meet you Hi now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale The most important thing is what sorry The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine Uh yeah that sounds important Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.